It's great to be together, and it's so good. It's just so good being in a place where you're just knowing the activity of God, and you're able to respond to Him and enjoy Him. And it's just we're just so privileged as people, aren't we? Really, you know, just so privileged to be able to be able to come straight into God's presence and to know Him for ourselves and to enjoy Him for ourselves. When you think back, aren't you so glad you don't live in Old Testament times? Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes if you think your life's rough and stuff, go and hang out in the Old Testament for a bit and think how long, you know, if they, if they could have a sneak preview into what we have, the grace that we live under, the fact that we can know God for ourselves, we don't have to do all the... I mean, I'm sure there's loads of animals that are very pleased that we no longer live in Old Testament times, that we no longer have to be doing the sacrifice. I mean, there's a few business people that are probably a bit disappointed because that would have been a good line of business, wouldn't it? But, you know, isn't it great that we can just come straight into God's presence? I mean, sometimes we just take it for granted, and, and we should take it for granted because it's our, our right, but, you know, we must never lose the wonder of that, of the fact that we can know God for ourselves. Well, I'm speaking this afternoon and tomorrow morning, and um, I just felt really God put on my heart just to talk around really over, over the two sessions, uh, the thing of kingdom priorities and the kingdom motivations. And um, the good thing about, I think, all of the sessions over these, this kind of conference is again, there's going to be a huge amount of overlap between them all, which is, which is great, isn't it? And, and there's a sense where I think we're all saying the same thing, but all coming from slightly different angles. So there's many blessings with that. One is if you can only make it to a few sessions, then hopefully you get the gist of what it's about. And, and third, second thing is that we all need it so rammed into our heads that we can hear it. We need to hear it all the time, don't we? So uh, I, I hope we're going to touch on stuff. And I know that God has been speaking to me through this. So even if you get nothing out of it, I've got a benefit. I've heard from God, and so I'm happy. So that's great. So I hope you get an overflow of blessing as well in that. Um, it's interesting. This week, um, I've, been in, um, I've been sitting in meetings. And I've also had meetings with various people um, who for, have an influence over kind of Lowestoft and Waveney, over the local area, in terms of uh, kind of from statutory bodies, so people like from the council, people from voluntary agencies. Uh, some of these people have kind of some key roles in terms of looking at our area and thinking, how, does, how do we make it better? How do, we, how do we move it on? How do we make things look better? They're people that are most definitely committed to see this place, this town, see Waveney, um, the whole area improve and see, try to halt what seems to be just this slow decline of the area. And it's great being in, in a room uh, at various points this week with people who actually, their heart is for this area. They want to see things improve. And it's been really good being in, in these meetings. And, uh, and, and, and there is a clear acceptance that church, not just us, but other churches in the town, faith groups, they had clearly are seen as part of the solution to the problem in the town and in this area. That, that's, that's clearly, without doubt, very warmly welcomed and, and wanting to engage with churches, wanting to see us as part of the answer. There's definitely a very big opening to, to kind of working in partnership with some of these agencies around the town to say, how can we together solve some of the problems going on in our area? But it leaves me kind of leaving, coming out of these meetings with kind of questions always. Go, I've, if you know me, you know I'm always reflective. So I've always got questions coming out, more questions than answers. Uh, but one of the big questions that always comes to my mind in these meetings and afterwards is, what is it that we as Christians really can offer that's different to another agency, to these community, to our community? Because there's a, there's a very real risk that actually when someone shows you some favor and opens the door and says, yeah, we want churches involved, we think, wow, fantastic. We just you know, want, want to help wherever we can. 
and just very aware that there's a real danger that actually we can just become a good recruiting pool for a load of willing volunteers. But is that really all we're supposed to be as church? Is that what, is that what God's called us to as Christians? But yes, um, having, wanting to play our part in the community, but I'm very aware that actually if we ran through all the doors that open, we'd be very, very busy. We'll be doing a lot. And it is that the key thing that God is calling us to do. We've got to have a clear sense of what our purpose is if we're going to achieve our goal. We have to have a clear sense of knowing ourselves, who we are, what we're about, so that actually when we come to engage with the world, we can deliver on what God has called us to. We've only got limited energies. I don't know about you, but I've only got limited energies, okay? We've only got a limited amount of time. And how do we put that to the best use? How do we, that's the big question that goes on. Because you can sit down, and if you're looking at things uh, like projects that can make a difference in our town, there's, there's, there's a catalogue of great initiatives that we could do. As a local church, if you're representing another church here, there's loads of initiatives that we could all be doing as Christians that are brilliant. But the question is, what do we give our time to? And what is it that we bring um, as Christians? What should be our top priority in life as Christians, and this, that's kind of the question that resounds in my mind. Thinking it's not a lack of opportunities that we lack; it's we've got to be clear about what we're trying to achieve when we do that. This conference we've is been entitled "Kingdom Breakout" because that's what we really felt God was been speaking to us about about seeing His kingdom breaking out in our lives and in the place around us. But what I want to do in this session really is unpack a little bit about what that means and really take us on that journey of sense of what does that mean to see kingdom break out. And how do we then engage more and more with God in seeing that happen? And to see our town, to see our area, see whatever place you represent, whatever community you represent, to see that transformed for God. So let's just pray and then we'll unpack that. Lord, we thank you so much for your presence, Lord. We, do, we so recognize the privilege of knowing you for ourselves and having you, Holy Spirit, God himself, living in us and with us. Lord, we, we, we know these so well that it becomes so familiar. Lord, on the one level, that's, that's great because that's how it should be. But on the other hand, Lord, we, we'd never want to lose the wonder of knowing you for ourselves. I pray, Holy Spirit, as we just spent a short time unpacking some truth from the Bible, I pray, Holy Spirit, that nothing would hinder your work ongoing amongst us this afternoon. I pray you'd come and grip our hearts afresh for the call that you've put on our life, the priority that you want to give, give, give us, us to give ourselves to. I pray, Holy Spirit, even as we speak, I'm speaking and, and we're engaging with you, I pray that you would start touching hearts, Lord, with a cry for the kingdom to come. We pray that in your name. Amen. Okay, so the, the whole phrase, the kingdom of God, is a phrase that's quite readily used. You've obviously heard it quite a lot already over this weekend. Um, and it's an important phrase and concept in the Bible. For example, there's over, in the four Gospels, there's over 100 references to the kingdom. Okay, it's a, it's a phrase that's well used, and it was central to Jesus' ministry. He talked a lot about the kingdom. The kingdom's going to come. I've come to bring the kingdom. Both Jesus and John the Baptist started their ministries with a call for repent, for the kingdom of God is near. That's in Matthew 3, verse 2, and Mark 1, verse 15. That, this sense where their, their initial call was, hey guys, do something, the kingdom of God is near. This concept of kingdom is a very, very strong thing in the Gospels. Obviously, it's a key part of the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. Something that Jesus, when, he's, when we're disciples were saying, teach us how to pray, that was one of the things that he said, actually, this is a key part of your prayers. Your, your lifelong prayer should include something of, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Interestingly, when you read um, in Acts 1, verse 3, it talks there right at the end of Jesus' life, after he'd been resurrected, before he was um, ascended back into heaven. It says in Acts 1 that Jesus spent the last days, 40 days, on his last 40 days on earth, speaking about the kingdom of God. He went around speaking of the kingdom, bringing in the kingdom. He started with a call to come back to the kingdom because the kingdom is near. And he finished his life talking about the kingdom to people. In the rest of the New Testament, the apostles, there's about another 20 references to this whole thing of the kingdom coming. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of, is of God. Bring the kingdom. Proclaim the kingdom. It's something that you see repeatedly coming through in the New Testament. It's like one of those things when you start looking for it, you realize, wow, I didn't realize it was in there so much. You know, you kind of think when you start looking at these things, you think, yeah, our kingdoms refer to in various places. And when you suddenly start looking, you realize, wow, this is, a, this is a, a, such a strong theme throughout the New Testament. For example, the Apostle Paul, he puts proclaiming the kingdom as one of the main things that he did in his whole ministry. In Acts 20, verse 25, it says, And now, behold, I know that none of, you, none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. So he's talking to them saying, look, you're never going to see me again, but actually you know me because I'm the one that comes proclaiming the kingdom. It was one of his hallmarks of his ministry. He said, actually, one of the key things that I've been doing is coming and proclaiming the kingdom. And obviously Jesus, in one of his most famous kind of instructions to us, he says, actually, it should be top of our priority list in life. Matthew 6, verse 33 Seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added to you. I mean, that's a, that's a fairly clear kind of sense of priority, isn't it? Like, everything else, no matter whatever, that will come after. But seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, actually, that needs to be one of the, the top priority in your life. Seeking the kingdom of God, and then everything else will be added to you. Everything else will kind of find its place when you give yourself to seeking the kingdom. So clearly it's a, it's a, it's a top priority within, in, within the New Testament. This is something that we need to grab hold of. If it's referred to over 100 times in the gospel, if it's over 20 times in, in the letters and the, to the churches, if it's the thing that Jesus started his ministry with and finished with, and then he said, make it your top priority, I think at some point we need to take it seriously. Yeah? Yeah, we get the message, don't we? Okay, God, you're trying to, you're trying to speak to me. You're trying to say something. Yeah, yeah it's, it's quite clear. It's something that should jump out at us. What does it mean to bring the kingdom. But it's like one of those many phrases that you find in church life, the kind of the jargon, isn't it, of church life? Yeah, you know, I, I, want, I, want to do a, I want to ask you to put your hands up because I don't want to do that. But how many people are thinking, being praying, yeah, we want the kingdom, we want the kingdom. And then if I said, could you define the kingdom? You'd be like, mm, well, it's a bit like uh, this. And uh, I'm not, you know, there's so many words in church life, isn't there, that I can't, I can't remember what, off the top of my head now. But I, my daughter asked me to explain something that we use in church life. And I, and I just, I did such a terrible job. I thought, actually, I don't really know myself. But it is like, it's a word we use. Well, I can't remember what it was. It would be a much better example if I could say what it was. But, you know, you, sometimes we just use these phrases. And then when someone says, can you define what you mean? You suddenly think, oh, well, I kind of know roughly what it means, but it, I'm not sure. And I think kingdom of God can be a bit like that, can't it? What do we really mean by bring the kingdom, seek the kingdom? What does that really mean? Well, someone defined it as this, saying it simply means that 
the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God over people's lives or situations. That actually, it's God's kingdom. It's when the king, he takes kingship over someone's life or over a situation. So another way of putting it would be when something comes under the lordship of Jesus, then that's the kingdom coming. It's something that's come back into his domain, the king's domain. Or to put it, illustrate it another way, which is probably easier for my brain to think about, you know, light and darkness. Light, God, good. Darkness, Satan, bad. Yep, this is kind of how simply I tend to boil things down to, okay? Light, good, dark, bad. A lot of dark, yeah. There's also light, God. Actually, when the kingdom comes, it's when light breaks into darkness. It's when light replaces some darkness that's been around in the world. So when the light goes on somewhere, the kingdom has come. When something has come under the lordship of Jesus, in this world, the kingdom has come. So that's what we mean by the kingdom of God. So now you can, you can now define that. If someone ever asked you, yeah, I'm, this is what I'm giving my life to, seeing the kingdom come, and they'll say, what, what do you mean by that? You say, well, I'm here to bring light where there's darkness. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> that's a good one. Bring light where there's darkness. So how do we go about doing this? What does that really mean then in practice? How do we, if this has got to be a key priority for us, if we can say, yeah, Jesus said, do this, make it the top thing that you do. And we kind of slightly starting to get more of an idea of what it is. What does it look like in practice? What does being people that bring light where there's darkness, what does that mean for us on a daily basis? What does that mean when we're going about whatever we do on a day-to-day basis, when we're not up here at a conference, when you're out doing the rest of your normal life? What does that really mean? How do I put this into practice? Well, we can look through a few passages in Scripture that I think hopefully will give us just some practical ways of thinking, okay, for me, this is the next step in bringing the kingdom. This is what it looks like for me in terms of bringing the kingdom. A great place to start is Luke 10. So if you've got a Bible with you, um, then you can turn to that or look on your mobile device. Um, and if you haven't got a Bible on your mobile device and just look on your emails, no one will know any different. Uh, but we'll trust that you're looking at the Bible instead. Okay, Luke chapter 10. We get this great account here of where Jesus brings together 72 and he sends them out to, to bring the kingdom. And so I want you, as we read through this, I want you to think about this as actually Jesus speaking to us here and now. That we're kind of part of those disciples that actually he's getting hold of and saying, right, I'm commissioning you. I'm sending you out. I just want to pull out a few things from this passage and then some other passages in Scripture that give us some handles of what does it look like to bring the kingdom? What does it look like to advance the kingdom in our lives? So Luke 10, uh, verses, verse 1, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. 
But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Then he goes on to say, Woe to you, Shorazan, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it would be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. A great account there of Jesus getting hold of disciples and sending them out to advance the kingdom. He was giving them their clear instructions of what to do when they went out wherever they went. And there's a few key things in there for us to get hold of. Think, well, actually, what does this look like in my daily life? Well, the first thing is in verse 1, when he says he sent them out into every town and place where he himself was about to go, clearly, we're supposed to advance the kingdom wherever we go. It's not just about a church meeting. Okay, the kingdom is not just supposed to come in a church meeting or a church project. So now actually, the kingdom is supposed to go come wherever we go. Jesus didn't send them to temples and synagogues. He didn't send them to meetings. He sent them out into the streets. He sent them out wherever they went, to towns. He said, just go and take the kingdom with you. This is a broad canvas that Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, it's out there. I want you to go. I want you to be out and about. We can also see in verse 2 that when he says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, clearly there's no shortage of darkness for us to eradicate. Okay, that's the good news. Okay, there's not just like a little bit of darkness and everyone's, it's like a bun fight. Everyone's trying to get there first to bring the kingdom. Do you know, there's a lot of darkness out there. The issue is not, is there enough work for us to do? The issue is, is there some willing people prepared to go and do the work? The issue isn't like, is there enough to keep us occupied until Jesus returns? The issue is, is there enough people that have got the passion and desire to go out and take the light that they've got into the world? We don't have a darkness shortage yet. Verse 3, when he talks about going, I'm sending you as, as lambs into the midst of wolves, like Clyde was talking about this morning, what's Jesus saying? You know, it's not going to be easy, guys. Don't expect an easy ride. I'm sending you as lambs out to wolves. I mean, you think, Jesus, that, that, that's kind of like not the pep talk, is it? Before I play for um, a veterans football team. Now, I know you don't think I'm old enough to play for a veterans football team, but uh, I do. And um, there's always a game early in the season where we, we play a cup game. And if you lose in the first round of the cup, you go in to play into the shield. So all the losers from the first round to go and play in the shield. But if you win in the cup, then you go on to the next next round. And uh, the, the gentleman that manages our team always starts that game every season with this pep talk. 
look, guys, it's better if we lose. We've got more chance of winning the shield than we have the cup. So let's have a good game. Enjoy it. It's a bit of fitness, but it doesn't matter if we don't win. You know, you, you start your game thinking, right, okay, losing is the best option here. It's not the greatest pep talk. And I always laugh at him for it. But Jesus, it's not the greatest pep talk from Jesus, is it? You know, I'm sending you out as lambs and there's loads of wolves out there. He's saying, look, guys, it's not going to be straightforward. If you take this assignment of being someone who brings light where there's darkness, it's going to be tough. You're going to face hostility. So he's not trying to sell it to them as an easy ride, saying, look, I've got a really simple job for you to do. He's saying, actually, this is going to be really tough. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't go and do it. He's saying that actually we should be looking for people of peace. There's a whole talk there of what does that mean? What does that look like? Look for the people that God is already doing something in their lives. Look for people where you can see some kind of evidence. God brings you to someone. Somebody gives you peace. Someone who says, uh, you know, is, is opening. There's, there's a doorway then into communities through people of peace. People who you can see God's hand on already. So bringing the kingdom means stepping out, going out into the darkness, facing hostility. But then it comes to a place, say, like in verse 17, where the 72 came back and said, actually, the demons are subject to us. And there's healings everywhere. In verse 9, go into each town and heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So from that passage, we can see that actually bringing the kingdom is about going out everywhere and healing the sick and casting out demons. Those are two evidences of light replacing darkness. Sickness is, from, is not from God. Okay, sickness is darkness. We know that God's will is that actually sickness doesn't exist because in heaven there is no sickness. Yeah, so that's God's will. Now, we know we have to live with it. We know that there's an element where there will always be some. But actually, God's heart breaks over suffering and sickness because it's not in his big plan. Okay, otherwise, there would be some in heaven, wouldn't there? Yeah? <laughs> it's not in his plan. So he says to us, go and heal the sick. Why? Because it's a work of the devil. I want you to get rid of darkness. I want you to take light and bring light where there's darkness. Demons, I trust we realize they're from the dark, <laughs> from the dark side. Okay, that's from they're Satan's workers. When we see people set free from demonic, that's the kingdom coming. That's an evidence of the kingdom coming. Where freedom comes, where people have been captive to spiritual bondage, it's the kingdom coming. We need to see a lot more of that happening. Yeah? Demons haven't gone away okay you know it's not like actually these guys did such a good job of clearing up the demons that there's not money left for us someone a friend of mine once said actually these days we medicate our demons actually do you know there's a whole lot of talk with Angela could probably give us so much advice on casting out demons but actually do you know simply we've got the authority we just need to take hold of it and do it okay there's so many demonic forces oppressing people's lives that we need to sense it see it and see deliverance. That's part of the kingdom coming. This is part of our mandate as carriers of the light is to see demons cast out, see people set free, not just patted on the head and hope that they get a bit better, but let's just sort this out and deal with it. So the kingdom coming looks like healing the sick. It looks like casting out demons. Another aspect of the kingdom coming we can see in Romans 14. Another aspect of light coming where there's darkness. It says in Romans 14, Verse 17, Paul says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. That's a shame. Okay, because wouldn't it be great if we said, actually, the kingdom of God is a matter of eating and drinking. Therefore, we could bring the kingdom, whoa, a whole lot more. 
Yeah, we'd all be obese warriors of Jesus, okay? But it's not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, okay? Bringing light where there's darkness is actually part of that is about bringing righteousness, peace, and joy wherever we go. Because unrighteousness is darkness, okay? So it's, it's where there's... Where there's there's lacking integrity, there's people cheating on people. That's unrighteousness, and we're called to bring righteousness into that situation because of who we are. We're supposed to be growing in a measure of righteousness in our lives. In your workplace, you're supposed to be growing in measures of righteousness in that place because bringing righteousness is bringing the kingdom into that place. When in a workplace, as just as an example, there's you know, fraudulent practice going on, and you come in and you bring righteousness... It's probably a bit like a lamb going out to wolves because you're going to expose something by your righteousness. But you're bringing the kingdom when you do that. That's part of bringing the kingdom is bringing righteousness, bringing peace into situation. Fear is not from God. Anxiety isn't from God because Jesus told us, you know, don't be anxious about anything. So when you go into situations in people who are fearful or anxious and you bring peace, you're bringing the kingdom into that place. You're getting rid of the darkness that is there, is oppressing them, and actually you're bringing the kingdom. And joy, fortunately, is part of the kingdom of God. We're called to be carriers of joy. We're called to not be people that bring misery on people. You know, we're not called to make kind of Christianity look the hardest, most miserable, boring thing ever. We're supposed to be the most joyful people on the planet. We've got every reason to be the most joyful people on the planet. And it's not just this kind of superficial joy, yeah? It's supposed to, and it's not even supposed to be such a deep joy that no one ever can see it. It's supposed to be a deep joy that actually comes out. You know, it's both things at once, isn't it? Not just a superficial, not just a deep, but actually deep that becomes out. You know, that's the, that's the full ticket. But we're supposed to do that. The devil wants to rob us of joy. Because actually, when we get joyful, we suddenly start seeing perspective right. We see who God is. It changes the atmosphere around us. If you're a joy bringer, into your family, into your neighborhood, into your social scene, into your workplace, something changes. It does. Something changes when you bring joy into where you are. It makes a difference. It's the kingdom coming. So you might think, hang on, I'm not brilliant at the moment about healing the sick and casting out demons. I can't imagine doing that at my lunch break at work. But actually, it might be that for you, the next step is bringing righteousness, peace, and joy into your place. It might be that God's call on you in the workplace isn't yet to be casting out demons, which, but it might come. But actually, it might have to wait till after work. But um, actually, it's to bring righteousness, joy, and peace. And that's no less the kingdom coming. That is the kingdom coming. That makes a big, big difference. That changes. That brings light where there's darkness. And the third way that we can see some of the kingdom coming is if you look in Luke 9, Jesus talks about the sense of calling people to follow him is a part of the light coming into this world. The proclamation of the gospel is the kingdom coming. Luke 9, verse 57. It says, And they were going along the road. Someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. At which point I guess the guy was going, What? But anyway, I would have been. I'd be like, Jesus, I said, I'll follow you, and then you give me some 
kind of riddle. It says to another one, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as you go, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those in my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Strong words from Jesus there about the the priority. But he's talking there about, as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Okay, there is expressions of the kingdom of God coming. This is why we have to see it as such a broad thing. It's not just one thing. There's healing the sick. There's casting out demons. There's, there's lifestyle of righteousness, peace, and joy. But there's also the verbalizing of calling people to follow Jesus. That needs to be part of, our, of the kingdom coming. Is actually the proclamation of the kingdom. It's saying, actually, there is a king. There is someone to follow. This isn't just me trying harder to have a nice life. When you, when you see me being righteous, when, when you see me bringing peace, when you remark that I, I seem to have a joy that kind of seems to survive no matter what the circumstances, that's not just because I've read a good self-help book from the library and you ought to read it yourself. It's because I'm following somebody. It's because there's something different about me. There's a proclamation that has to come when we bring the kingdom. And it'll be at different times and in different ways. But Jesus is saying that, hey, look, following me, go and proclaim the kingdom. It's in the context of following him. So as we follow, we must call others to follow as well. It's a way of shifting darkness by proclaiming the light. You can speak the light into a situation because of the power of your words. So advancing the kingdom, we're kind of getting a bit more of a handle of what it is. It's light pushing out darkness. That's bringing the kingdom but it can look like a whole load of different things. But fundamentally, it's about healing the sick, casting out demons, living righteous, peaceful, and joyful lives, and calling people to follow Jesus Christ. That's bringing the kingdom. That's the light that we have to bring into this world. And that's bottom line is what God's will is for our lives as Christians. That's bottom line what he's saying to all of us is actually... This is the main priority call on all of our lives. No matter what you do, no matter what job you have, this is the call on your life. No matter what your family situation, this is the call on your life. No matter what your finances look like, this is the call on your life. I think there's, there's sometimes in the past been this kind of fairly unhelpful mindset that somehow this is the kind of stuff that church leaders do. And the only way you get to do this is you have to go and work for the church to do this. Do you know, this is what God calls us to do as children of God, no matter where we are. In fact, if it's only church leaders that do this, then the kingdom is not going to advance a great, great deal. Because actually, every, people that aren't church leaders have more contact with the darkness than we do. Although on some days, no, 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 generally... <laughs> yeah, so actually, it would be a very bad strategy of God's if he said... Advancing the kingdom can only be done by a few specialists and they've got to work for the church. It would be a pretty, pretty ropey strategy of God's. Fortunately, he's got perfect strategy. He says, everyone who's my child needs to go and advance the kingdom wherever you go. Some people might say, well, you know, I'm seeking God's will for my life. Should I, should I get married or should I not? And God would say, get married if you want. Don't get married if you don't want. But either way, Heal the sick, cast out demons, live righteous peace, joy. That's my will for your life. Should I get this job? Should I go get that job? Well, you know, yeah, we can work that out. But irrespective of those jobs, heal the sick, cast out demons, live righteous peace, proclaim the kingdom. This is, this is the thing that should 
be the thread throughout our lives. No matter what our circumstances, our situations, this is God's top priority for us. This is what his assignment is for us. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, in an increasing measure, we should be bringing the kingdom. We should be bringing it wherever we go. Saying, Lord, what's, what's, the, next, what's the next stretch for me in bringing your kingdom? What does it look like for me, this next stretch in my life? In the situations I'm in, in the circumstances I'm in, what's the next thing that I can push into in bringing your kingdom? I want to be someone that brings light where there's darkness. It's a good question to ask how this relates to church. Because actually, sometimes we can, and I know in my own head, you know, you go on this journey of really trying to understand what is the kingdom church? Because church is, is the bride of Christ. It's the, it's, it's the called out people of God. This is the jewel in God's eyes. The church is, is special. How does that relate to the kingdom? Well, the reality is the kingdom of God is bigger than just the church. Okay? It's not just about being contained in the church. The church is supposed to be the engine room for advancing the kingdom. So as we, church is supposed to be the place where we find um, equipping and empowering to go out into all the world and bring the rule and reign of God. It's not supposed to be that advancing the kingdom only takes place in church. It's supposed to be, yes, it will do, but it's supposed to be out there more because that's where the darkness is. That's where the world is. That's where the people is. If we sit here and say, we're really good at advancing the kingdom, as soon as they walk through that door, we get them. We get them. But you know, only one comes in every now and then. Actually, there are far better strategies to go out there and do it. And then as kingdom comes, they get drawn into church because they need empowering and equipping to go and carry on the work themselves that they've just experienced in their own life. Church is supposed to be an engine room for advancing the kingdom, but the kingdom is bigger than just the church. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's always someone good to refer to when you need any kind of sort of solid kind of comforting, isn't it? He says this, if we regard the kingdom of God as the rule and reign of God, the kingdom was here when our Lord was here in person. It is present now wherever the Lord Jesus is acknowledged as Lord, but it is to come with a greater fullness when everybody and everything will have to acknowledge his lordship. So he's talking there about the fact that it has been here, it isn't here now, and it will be fully one day when he comes back. So we can say that the kingdom has come, the kingdom is among us, and the kingdom is yet to come. What then is the relationship of the church to the kingdom? Surely it is this. The church is an expression of the kingdom, but is not to be equated with it. It's to be an expression of the kingdom, but all all the kingdom's eggs aren't in the church's basket. We're supposed to be here to equip and empower, to send out. If we have a mindset that says that the work of God can only happen through church projects and programs and structures, then we will be restricting the advance of the kingdom of God. It's the wrong way of thinking. It's not demeaning the church. We want to lift the church up. The church is the bride of Christ. We're we're the place where we get nourishment and impacting and we get changed. But actually, the kingdom isn't supposed to be restrained by the church. It's supposed to be released by the church. That's what we're here for. You know, we're not here to, we're here to gather together to meet with God, to then be propelled out to take that light out. But then we must come back together, not just on Sundays and midweek and wherever we meet together, to get trained, equipped, empowered, to be then sent out again, breathing in and breathing out the presence of God. The church is vital if we're going to grow more mature in God. It's the place of maturing. It's the place of spiritual growth uh, for all of us as Christians. And by maturing, I don't mean just getting older. Okay, church isn't a place where Christians just get older. 
is a place where we get more mature. Because maturity and age aren't the same thing, yeah? We understand that, don't we? Yeah? So when people say, you know, that a student who's over 21 is a mature student, they're not a mature student. They're just a student who's over, just an old student, that's all. Okay? Age and maturity don't go together, necessarily. The church is supposed to be a place, this hotbed, where spiritual maturity is taking place. Because the more mature we get in God, the more we know him, the closer we are to him, the more effective we'll be in advancing the kingdom. It should propel us out more and more. I love the language in Acts. As, we, as a church, we've been going through Acts this year. And I love the language of Acts where it talks about the disciples being full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And I feel that that's, I know, I've just been saying to God, I want to be more that. I want to be more full of faith. I want to be more full of the Holy Spirit. I think if, I, if, if I'm getting more full of those two things, then actually that's going to be, things are going to go right. <laughs> things are going to work out okay. Full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's our chief goal as, as, as church, is to see people full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. If we could have, as a, as a local church here, we're about 200 members. I know there's different churches represented. If we added up all the Christians in this town, in this area, probably, I don't know, 800, 1,000, something like that would be great. If 1,000 Christians were full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, in an increasing measure, week by week, wow, we would transform this whole place. This whole Waveney would be transformed by 1,000 Christians full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Not, I was full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit 20 years ago at a Bible week, and it felt quite good. I enjoyed that. No, no, no. I'm full of faith in the Holy Spirit today, and actually that's more than last week, and it's less than next week. I'm growing, I'm growing, and I'm growing. When we look at the world around us, and you know, when I've been in these meetings, you see the state of, of the world, and we uh, participated in a, in a survey that took place earlier this year in July around Norfolk and North Suffolk called Who Cares, where people would just ask that simple question, what hurts the most in life? And, and I think 18,000 people were surveyed. And, and, and the, the stuff that comes back from those surveys realize, makes you realize how dark the darkness really is. Uh, we surveyed a, a, a local school was part of that, and it's a, one of the better schools, and it's gone from a nice catchment area, and it's heartbreaking when you read some of those cards that came back of what these nice kids from a nice catchment area, the darkness in their lives. Darkness is no respecter of social status, wealth, education, family background. Darkness is darkness. And it is a world out there. When they're sitting in these meetings and people are talking about the solutions and, and, and they've got great ideas and they've got innovative ways of working, but you sit there and you know Jesus is the only answer to this problem, really. Because he can do something that no one else can do. These guys in these meetings I've been in, they've got some brilliant ways of trying to help people with their problems, but they can't deal with the problem, which is the heart. And you know, you just sit there and you know, actually, these people need the kingdom to come in their lives. They need light to come where there's darkness. They need to be people, they need to meet with Jesus himself. So that's kind of like just that sense of this is the priority of what God has called us to. I guess I feel God has just been burning that more and more into my heart. I know the other guys as well. Just this sense of, hey, what are we here to do? What are we here to achieve? Are we here to do a load of very valid good works? Or are we here to do the right works but bring the kingdom? Because no one else can bring the kingdom in there. Now, 
I don't want this to be a talk where we all then just feel terrible because think, well, I'm not doing much of that and I need to have an action plan to go and do it. Action plans are good things, but there's something I feel God is stirring in me and I guess it's almost my kind of prayer at the moment because there's got to be a movement from head to heart, hasn't there, with these things. I can... I. I can, I believe everything I've just said. That's reassuring, okay? Believe everything I've just said. Um, that, that is always the case. I do believe what I say, you know. It's not like this time as opposed to any other time. This time, every time I believe what I've said. Okay. Yeah, you do. But there's a real danger, and I know it in myself, that they, these can become, uh, it's a good idea. That's a great idea. Isn't it a great idea to advance the kingdom? Yeah, that's really, we could do with that as a church. That would make things way more interesting if there's a lot more of the kingdom coming. Hey, that's a great strategy. Let's schedule that in for sort of, well, Christmas. Let's get Christmas out of the way first. January, well, everyone's still kind of you know, getting over Christmas. February, let's go for kingdom advance. You know, I mean, it's not quite that. But you can get like that, can't you? That's a good idea. I believe that. That's a good thing that could happen. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't, it make, wouldn't that be a good advert for church if more of that happened? We'll get more people coming then. That would be good. No, no, no. This has got to be something that shifts from our head to our heart, to a place where actually there's such a cry in our heart that says not just this is a good idea when we can fit it in if it doesn't feel too scary. It's got to be something that actually consumes us and says actually life, I'm not, life is almost, if I can't live being in a kingdom advancer, then I'm not really sure what the point is after that. It's going to be something that drives us so much, not that it's a good idea that I'll fit into my schedule somewhere, you know, Tuesday lunchtime, I've got half an hour. I might go for a bit of kingdom advance then. It's going to be something that overwhelms us, that every day we wake up and say, Lord, let me be someone who can bring your kingdom. This is something, I uh, just want to, if you could, Tim, put up the, the final slide. This is something I felt God spoke to me about earlier in the year, particularly when we were praying about our conference, but it's something that's kind of gone into something bigger. He said this, and I want to just read it as well. He says, I want to stir up in you as a church, but I believe that anybody and everybody, a cry for my kingdom to break out. You are not to simply seek advice on how to seek the kingdom break out, but you are to allow me to place a hunger and a cry in your hearts for it to happen. I want to put such a cry in you that at times it will feel overwhelming. At this conference, you are to seek me, not in a strategic way, but in a heart-filled way. At the conference, I want to birth something supernatural in you that will be different to anything you've known before. It will change your perspective on life. It will cause you to see the world through my eyes. Seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added to you. Just let that. I felt God spoke to me about that, and as a team, we believe that. And I believe that as a church. I believe if you're a Christian here today, wherever you represent, that's God speaking to us. He wants to put something, not just advice. How do I do this? What's the right technique for that? Those, they have a place, those things. But I believe he wants to put a hunger and a cry in our hearts for this. That when we look and see the darkness around us, we don't just think, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we could do something about that? But actually it overwhelms us, a sense, hey, look, we've got the answer. I have to bring light into this situation. He wants to put a desperation in our heart that sometimes gets us from the comfort zone and the place where actually the fear of it is too big. He, I think he puts a desperation in our heart that says, actually, okay, those things are still there, but I, I still have to, I have to do it. It's a bit like pregnancy. 
and I firmly believe that we, we know that a, a baby could be delivered at seven or eight months and live healthily and be fine. A month or two premature, there's no problem. And, and in my conversations with many pregnant women, it makes it sound like some kind of gynecologist or something like that. Um, but about seven or eight months, a pregnant woman is just like, kind of like, get started thinking, oh, but the fear of childbirth is, is, is looming huge, quite justifiably. It's is, is kind of looming huge, and this kind of event that's going to happen, think, oh, you know, childbirth, I'm not looking forward to that. Get to nine months, and suddenly the discomfort of this baby and the desire just to get it out is over, overrides the pain that is coming. Okay? I, I, clearly, I've not got any first-hand experience, but just taking this from there. But uh, I don't, that, there's something in that, isn't there? But actually, the child would live at eight months. But the fear is big of what, how to get it out. At nine months, the discomfort is so huge that actually it overrides the, the, the same pain that's going to be there. And I think there's something that God wants to birth in us, a sense of actually the fear of, of going out as lambs to wolves is there. But actually, he wants to put a discomfort in us that just can't settle for where we're at. Can't settle for uh, how, how it is any longer. That actually, okay, it's still going to be like lambs to wolves at times. Not all the time, but at times. We need to be prepared for that. But actually, the discomfort is so big that we can't stay as we are. I believe that God wants to put something in our heart for that. Bill Johnson, American pastor and writer, says this, The Lord is calling us to be a people who burn with the will of God. What is the will of God? It is that whatever is going on up there, heaven, ought to be going on down here on earth. And whatever is going on down here that's not going on up there has got to stop. That's good. He he says it so well, doesn't he? Whatever is going on up there ought to be going on down here. And whatever is going on down here that is not going on up there has got to stop. We are able to bring that as God's people. We are light carriers that can bring a stop to the darkness. He wants to put a cry in us that propels us out of our comfort zone, beyond our fears. He wants a cry in us that will cause us to take radical steps. A cry that says, no matter what I'm facing, whatever hostility, whatever I come up against, Actually, I must bring light where there's darkness. To pray for the sick, to call people to follow Jesus, to cast out demons, to live righteously, to pray with Jesus, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think this is what we just want to respond in a moment to God, but I don't want to send, give you an action plan and make you feel guilty and set a, 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 you know, like a list of what you need to do. I just want to ask you to join me in crying out to God. Put that in my heart. Shift this from my head to my heart. It's a work of God, and I know he wants to do it. I'm going to ask James if the guys could come back up. We're just going to respond to God. We're just in a song. There must be more than this. Just, I just wanted us to use that as, if, you, if, that, if, this, if God's been speaking to you, if, that's, if, if you can feel him saying, yeah, I want that. And it might even be that you're in a place when you think, I don't at the moment really want that cry in my heart, but actually... There's a place for saying, Lord, give me the longing. I'm longing for the longing. Give me that sense of I really want to want it. You might even be just in that place and think, actually, I don't know if I do want it, but I'd like to want it. That's fine. God will take you wherever you're at and move on. If you're in a place and you say, Lord, I want more and more to have that heart cry that says, I can't do anything else but give my life to bringing light where there's darkness, then 
just as we sing this, I just want to say, just open your heart to the Holy Spirit and just cry out to him. Just let him say, say take me on a journey, Lord. Put this cry into my heart. And I believe he wants to do that for us. Thank you, guys. Let's stand, shall we?